Welcome, Wanderer, to the Arkham Cycle, a Call of Cthulhu actual play podcast by Milestone RPG. I am Miriam, the keeper of Arkham lore of this original scenario. I am joined for this investigation by Sky as Jerick Hagar and Cameron as December Archwright. The year is 1923 and the city is Arkham. It's mid-morning on an overcast day at the Miskatonic University. Let's start by a quick introduction of our two protagonists and then jump right into the story. and I am from Boston. Uh, I grew up with a family, but when I was admitted into a iron lung, they abandoned me. Uh, the only one that stuck me by me is my sister, and then uh, she mysteriously vanished around, what was that, about 15 years old, Miriam? Uh, that was four years ago, so you were... 15. Yeah. Just when I was 15 years old. I'm a bit of a boy prodigy here because of uh, uh, my studies into the arts before even coming to Miskatonic. The teachers are also aware that I've killed a, uh, um, a werewolf, but it, it is not very well-known information. I, I keep it kind of to myself and to those that I consider close enough to be able to uh, um, handle the information. Uh, when I did kill a werewolf, I tried to make it a, uh, um, a public thing. I brought the, the body of the werewolf to the police department. And uh, because of that, I made friends with the police department and began solving uh, solving mysteries and murders and different crimes with them as a uh, independent contractor. I still use a bit of that and have a uh, fake federal marshal's badge because of it and have people in the chain that can help me should I be in the area. Well, if, you, if you're really asking me, uh name is December Archwright and uh, come from Kepler, West Virginia. Not for very long, just probably enough to get a bit of a, a feel for the forest itself just before I got shanghaied by my parents all the way up into Boston around here because, you know, job commitments and all that shit. Unfortunate seems to befall my family quite often and uh, parents ended up splitting up due to, well, finger quotes, reasons. Mom remarried, got myself a stepsister. So it's a bit awkward because my real dad has a brother and then uh, I have a stepsister and uh, it's just a mess. We may do. We lived in a small place for a while and uh, started to grow up. I uh, did well. I like to study books. I liked old things. I like Everyone likes the smell of a new book. I always like the fresh old stink of those uh, ones from bygone eras that are barely holding up. <laughs> I guess that was a bit of foreshadowing I should have warned myself about, but uh, well, I just got into uni and uh, was doing fairly well, but a uh, simple car ride led with my parents, my mom and my stepdad led to, I don't even know what happened, but suddenly a building came crashing down on us and, uh, and there wasn't much left of them and there was just a bit more left of me than them, so I had to spend a lot of time in the hospital for both physical and, they say, mental trauma. But, uh, well, 
uh, I got out of there, and uh, thanks to help my sister, uh, her name's Bianca. She bless her heart. She's always been a sweetheart, but uh, uh, she travels. That's part of her job. She's kind of a traveling journalist. She's going west, where we're starting to, you know, explore the land and stuff. So I don't see her much anymore. But uh, I couldn't afford much, and uh, I ended up getting in the wrong crowd to just kind of keep making do. My old professors, Alden Florenzi. He's uh, he's been helping me out, but got me actually back in. But apparently, there were debts that were owed for both of us. Suddenly, and well, mob, mafia, or whoever the fuck they call themselves these days, the family, I guess. They took us into our fold. I've been having to run drugs and other things for them. My old bike, old bones. But I'm back in college, and I'm trying to make it work. 24 years old. That's uh, they don't have people rematriculate very much. That's that's December. Sorry I should that. mention that I can cast spells, by the way. I have a couple spells. Is that, is, was that by the way. Yeah. Was that is that on your resume? <laughs> P.S. Can cast spells. Um, a physical description. I forgot to give one. Jarek would appear rather average if not for his albinism. He stands five uh, twelve at a buck thirty. Medium length hair, usually styled well. His clothes and general style show someone who takes the time to select his appearance. Despite the oddity of his skin and hair, his clothing's always complimentary and well paired. Gotcha. Physical descriptions as well. Uh, December, he is not quite unkempt. He tries to make the clothes he has seem well to do and good. He just doesn't have many. It's very obvious that he only has a couple sets of clothes. Uh, he tries to make do with what he has. The thing that he definitely seems to take care of most is the fedora he's always under. A cloud of cigarettes is always following him. Cigarettes, cigars, whatever he's got on hand. But if you look closely underneath the hat, you can see how scarred up his body actually is. Roughly two-thirds of his body has just been scuffed, damaged. It wasn't exactly broken, it was mostly external damage, but it was a lot. Whether it was from the fire of the car or the clubs in the building. And he's got a little bit of a hitch in his gait from it, but he seems to be quick on his feet, almost abnormally so. Like, he's not twitchy, but it kind of seems like he's always prepared for something to go wrong. Alright, so you guys don't know each other very well. You might have passed each other um, near Dr. Undercliff's office. Uh, Exchange a few uh, courtesies uh, as you guys were entering or exiting his office. Uh, For you, Cam... Professor Undercliff, I'll show him to you. He is a professor of uh, archaic languages at the university, and he has a knack for uh, singling out uh, students that show potential in the mythos, let's just say the Cthulhu mythos. He's already uh, recruited Jarek and gave him one of his first assignment. It's not so much like a, as an official thing, more like a on the side thing that Dr. Undercliff and the very famous Dr. Armitage from the uni- university as well, who's the head of the occult department and also the head of the library at the university. Together, they are kind of investigating paranormal eldritch entities you have shown some interest into like the real fabric behind the veil you've had appear and uh dr underglyph saw that in you and he has requested your presence has he wants uh, he has a favor to ask of both of you so you said that we 
do know each other? Yeah, you have seen each other, but you've never worked together. You don't you don't have you might have classes, but the classes are big. So like I'm going to say you guys are not friend, but are acquaintances. Yeah. You're sent by Dr. On the Cliff to retrieve research conducted by a fellow scientist, a Mr. named Dr. Marvin Orn. He was doing research on cellular development and growth processes in the Ipswich salt marches. Ipswich is to the north of Arkham, uh, a 35-mile drive uh, from the university. Dr. Orn has been dead for about a year, and his estate, estate executor recently contacted the Miskatonic University, letting them know that Dr. Orn left his research to the university's library. Dr. Undercliff tried to have Dr. Orn's brother, Malcolm, send the papers to the library, but Malcolm's replies were sporadic and vague, claiming that there were too many documents to send and that he couldn't possibly know which one he should forward to the university. So basically, Undercliff is just sending you guys to, to retrieve the documentation and bring it back to the university. That's that's as much as you know. He has given you like a few documentation on Dr. Orn. He shared actually he shared a picture of himself. So he's the oops, sorry. He's <laughs> he the, uh, the text. <laughs> he uh, showed you um, a, a document like a, a short biography of of Dr. Orn. And this is a picture of Undercliff when he was uh, younger, so with the glasses on the second row. And a circle around is Dr. Marvin Orn. He has also shown you a picture of the guy that you will meet, the younger brother, Malcolm Orn. So as you can see, uh, the brother, Malcolm, is a dwarf, a short person. So right now, as far as you know, he lives alone in the manor deep in the salt marches near uh, Ipswich. And you are to go meet this gentleman and bring back the documentation. You probably will have to sift through it a little bit as Dr. Orn probably had a lot that he was working on. Uh, but Undercliff was very adamant that you should bring this back to them. Seemed very important. But other than that, he did not give you any more information than that. He just insisted that this was really important. Uh, would he have told us told us what Marvin Orne's focus was in? Yes, um, he was a biologist, and his focus was cellular development and growth processes, especially in the Ipswich salt marshes. And did we find out what he died of? Doctor Undercliff doesn't know. He told you that he used to be a close friend of Doctor Orne. They went to school together. Uh, that's why they have a picture together. That's a picture of uh, their faculty there. But he lost contact with him a few years ago. And he didn't even know that he was dead until the executor reached him. And apparently he died of a rare disease. But Undercliff doesn't know more than that. Right. Well, that is unfortunate. Too bad that cellular regrowth or whatever didn't help him out along the way, now did it? So again, we're just meeting up. We met like in the room together. And that's effectively yes. the first time we spent any amount of time together while he was, while Dr. Undercliff was talking to us. 
Yes, so Dr. Andeklift would have introduced you and just in case, like the reason he added December to this team was that he's afraid that perhaps Malcolm is not, uh, will not completely cooperate uh. Uh, and seems to be fighting like the, uh, the executor of the estate. So just in case Tougher Boy is sent the sweet talker in the hopes of getting the research back. <laughs> He's a midget, so you're not expecting too much of a trouble, even if he Malcolm's tried. a midget. Okay. Malcolm is a midget. Yes. Yep. Or, 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 yeah, I can see that now in the arm. Holy shit. Pretty much it's uh, just the demeanor of Malcolm Orne. How would we expect to deal with him? It seems like he does not handle paperwork very well. Anything else that we should know about or deal with? I, Undercliff uh, tells you that he's never met Malcolm before. He He's heard of him because his, his brother, Marvin, used to talk a lot about him. He was very fond of his brother. But other than that, he never really met him. As far as how you should handle this, obviously Undercliff tells you not to hurt him. There are other ways, of course. Yeah, you should know that you're within the university's right to take the research from him so either convince him or you know like use whatever means you can without killing the guy to retrieve it is pretty much what under the cliff tells you i take like a big puff of cigarette nice like that cherry on there just <sighs> one of these days is gonna be more research than oh sorry would you mind putting that out i, I have a weak constitution <laughs> and I just like <laughs> I blow it at you. It'll go out eventually. No, I, I spent seven years in an iron lung, sir. Please keep your smoke to yourself. I'll try to tell the smoke <sighs> to do that. Hey, smoke, go the other way. Oh my gosh. Oh, sorry. It doesn't seem to do much, but I'm trying at least. <laughs> Jack is going to give a pointed look to Undercliff. He he he's smiling like a discreet smile, but he seems to be amused by the situation, as if he's uh, he's proud of what he's just done. <laughs> Maybe you wanted to like take Jarek down a couple of rungs ever since. Jarek's just going to get up and walk out, and start heading to the Ipswich. Yeah, Ipswich. Look, if you're going to be an asshole. Then try to keep up. Otherwise, I'm on my way. Good day, Mr. Undertale. Undercliff. And he's going to walk <laughs> Undertale. Suddenly the story turns completely differently. <laughs> uh, once Jarek is left, Dr. Undercliff will take a set of keys and hand them to you. December and tells that should help. You'll find the university car in the parking lot of the faculty. Definitely been a moment since I drove in a car, so I appreciate that. I jangle the keys. I'll Please be sure to bring it back on Skate. I'm counting on you. I just tip my hat lower mm -hmm. and I nod and I walk out the door. And like, if there was a camera, you just see like a, you know, a little toothy <laughs> grin kind of cocked underneath there. The car might be fine, but I can't guarantee anything about Jarek over there. And I walk out the door. Jarek's driving. He got to the car before you. He didn't have the keys. I have the keys. Don't had care. <laughs> He's so. sitting at the driver's seat. Either you can be childish about it or you can hand him the keys. I'm not. I'm not going to hand you the keys. I'm a driver. I'm uh, already here, mate. Yeah, Except I don't know. I am already mate, here. Pal. If, if you're not going to play ball, then you're going to be, then you're going to, I'm going to be taking leadership. I've are we never, understood on that? You are here to protect me. Nothing else. In my life, played ball. He made that very clear. You are here to protect me. I played so baseball. Get in the passenger seat 
and I'm going to drive. I already don't like you. And? Now get in the passenger seat and make sure I don't get hurt. The best way I can make sure you don't get hurt is to make sure you are not a driver. That's not true. If I need you to shoot someone, something, I need you in the passenger seat. Who said anything about shooting anybody? Well, maybe you need to maybe you need to, to do something to protect me. You are better served protecting me in the passenger seat. That is scientific fact. You know what? I, I don't have time for this. I'm gonna go get old bones, and I'll just go myself. <laughs> Why did he hire this guy? <laughs> I'm not actually like I'm walking away, but I'm allowing the scene to continue. I'm trying to see what'll happen. I'm not gonna just be a dick, but he's a dick. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah no, I'm just saying. I have no problem with that. He could. Okay, like he, so are you traveling? Are you yeah. traveling with two vehicles? Yeah. Okay, so December takes his uh, motorcycle. Jarek takes the car. And when I, I don't hand him the keys, I throw them, and they, you know, obviously short and just miss it and like land at his feet. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll, I'll I am there. very tempted to make you lose one d three sanity. <laughs> Speaking of which, December, you haven't put your sanity in. I thought it automatically did. Hey, okay, hold on one sec. Okay, yeah, current, sorry. And I, I really don't know what to do at this point, because Jericho would just refuse the job if this is who he's supposed to work with. It's it's up to you if you want to uh, refuse, but you know, like, you get the sense that this is also a test. <sighs> It's not only like, can you retrieve the thing? Like, can you work with somebody else? Is probably like you're smart <laughs> enough to to get where Undercliff is. It's, it's probably the same test for December as well. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. I love this. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic. Uh, by the way, I drive way ahead of him. Like he is left in the dust at that point. Every now and then, I might dip back to make sure he doesn't get lost. But uh, pretty much. How come you assume this? I'm not. A, I know I'm a better driver. You don't need to be a better driver to go fast. To go fast and drive in control and drive well through traffic and everything, and on a motorcycle, I think I can navigate traffic a lot faster. California begs to differ. The entire state of California begs to differ. <laughs> this is not California. This is. <laughs> this is 1924 Boston. Boston. <laughs> As Arkham, which is even better Anyways. okay so both of you uh make your way uh, out however as you uh maybe like 15 minutes in it starts pouring rain like a huge storm catches up with you and december you're on your motorcycle and you're kicking yourself for making this decision you do continue on as you do have to get to uh, it's actually past uh, ipswich you continue for a while and then you have passive switch about an hour ago. The mere 35 miles drive was supposed to take about an hour from Arkham to the Orn Manor, but the road proves trickier than you expected. The storm has caught up with you, and as soon as you enter the Great Salt Marshes, your progress were almost brought to a stop. The motorcycle is getting caught into the slug sluggish water like the brackish water that is on the farm road even the coupe uh, progresses by heaves you're almost to a stop at a certain point you're getting deeper and deeper into the marsh following as best as you can as you can the farm road and you haven't seen a house in miles by this point you have abandoned the hope of coming back to Arkham by the end of the day 
Perhaps you can make it back to an hotel in Ipswich, but even that seems unlikely. You will probably by this point rely on Malcolm's own hospitality. Now, am, am I slowed down in the water as well in the uh, oh, yeah. vehicle, or is that just the motorcycle? No, both of you. Alright, so we're about like at the same spot now, just like driving in the rain. It's yeah, shitty. Yeah, yeah, you probably, in fact, uh, Jarek, you've probably caught up with December. Uh, because the motorcycle is having much more trouble in in the marsh than than you. But he had a good. Two weeks. Yeah. Uh, Just gonna roll down the window real quick. <laughs> hey mate, hey, how's the drive out there, December? And I can't hear you Join past yourself? the rain. Yeah, I just it's see you. raining so hard that Jarek, you have to scream this uh, at December, and he can barely hear you. Yeah. Like yeah, I just keep on going. Like absolutely no reaction to it. Just like I'm focused on the road because I'm a responsible driver. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever driven in rain before, Sky. <laughs> no, I have never driven in the rain. Not ever. once in my life. <laughs> what is rain even? Yeah, I know. Isn't that just like the lake in the sky going like falling on us or something? Like what's going on? Trudging through like yeah, it's cold and crap like that, but I'm used like not used to marshland driving so much, but like I'm used to riding my bike in the rains. Cuz like that's my only option for traveling around. So it sucks. But um, just keep pushing on. Yeah. It's closer to two hours and a half that you've been gone by this time. And finally, a splash of lightning gives you the first glimpse of the old Orn house. And then even before lightning fades, it is blotted out by a solid sheet of muddy water slushing up against the windshield of the car. And December, like, it's pouring <laughs> so, so intensely. Yeah, you can barely see it. Finally, your vehicle slithers through the entry post and lurch on a sharp, slippery rise to rest in front of the anti-colonial house. The windows are tightly sh uh, shuttered, uh, but you can see a faint light coming through over like the main door, the panel door. It looks gloomy, the lawn is a bit unkempt, and you can hear barking as well. Like Sabbath, well, uh, I as think. I get out of the car, I'm going to unfurl my umbrella. Keep five feet away from uh, uh, December so he can't use my umbrella. I'm only 19. I am childish. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's great. And, like, for me, I just take, like, like you know, his leather coat. I already had it, like, closed in on me to make sure it was, you know, I mean, those riding coats that they would have. Make sure the motorcycle's in a safe spot, doesn't get washed away by the rain or anything like that. If there's like an overhang or something, I could have it under. So like, I know it's soaked already, but you know what I mean? Just protecting the gear I have. Just knock that there and it's like, I'll be back, old boy. Just stay there and uh, And then I'm checking to make sure that uh, my revolver is, well, my snub nose is with me. Got that. And um, like a couple of supplies. And then I just kind of nod over Jarek. It's like, well, I mean, best not wait out here too long. All right. You let me do the talking. You're not too good at it. Uh, I am going to go knock on the door. You can stand stand back if you'd like. Uh, just please, please, Why please. Why would I have to stand back from the door? Are you about to, like, launch a grenade or something in there? Do I have to duck and cover from the very words given to you by God? Frankly, I'm worried that you're going to offend and, uh, the owner of the mansion. Maybe that's why I'm here. But for now, no, I'll, no. I will stand back and let you do whatever it is that you do. And I do, and it's like, I stand there, and it's not like I have a staring daggers at you or anything like that, but you can tell I'm silently judging you, just letting it just kind of simmer. Go on, pretty boy. Pretty boy, he says to the albino. Uh, uh, yeah, he walks up to the door and knocks. 
you uh, you lift your uh, hand to knock, and as soon as you hit the um, the wood, the door actually it it gives inwards. Can you do a dodge roll for me, please? I'm glad I stepped back. <laughs> Suddenly it's D and D again. <laughs> we forgot to check for traps. Womp womp. Oh. <laughs> okay. So with your 91 on 30, yeah. Jarek, would you like to push the roll? <sighs> trying to decide like how major this is going to be. It's probably just the midget punching me. Remember, I'm silently judging you, though. To give you a little bit more context, um, so you knocked on the door and the door gave in. Then there's a sudden deafening blast coming through Fuck. from inside the house. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna try and push the roll. Okay. <laughs> Come on. How are you like throwing yourself on the ground? Like how are you dodging more than you already failed to dodge? Matrix. Yeah. Uh, you know, only one door is open, so I'm gonna attempt to like roll to the other door that isn't open. Okay. Do it. Man, and for some reason that was thirty, not thirty-eight. Not that it matters. It just fixed it. Boom! Oh, there we go. Oh, here you go. So, success, 23 over 33. So, you, with a sense that something is wrong, as soon as you knock and, the, like, you didn't even really knock, like, you pushed the door in and you had, like, the quickness of you to, to roll to the side. And there's this deafening blast from inside the house, and you see a frag semicircle wood disappeared from the jamb of uh, about a foot from the ground. Somebody just shot a shotgun through the door. I immediately like December, your turn. I I will definitely pull the snub. Can I tell where it came from, from my perspective? <clears throat> yeah, from behind the door, and actually, uh, the door kind of swings again, like it kind of s- yeah. swung like back, okay. almost closing, and then swings again up. And you're like standing in front of the door, and you see a large African American man with uh, grizzled hair. And actually, can you roll me a? I was going to say perception, but that's not the thing. Oh, I have spot hidden. If that works. No, it's going to be a psychology for that one. Oh, um, just me or him too? Uh, you, you. You're the only one who has uh, direct <laughs> contact with this man. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, here we go. It's the purple dice I click? Yeah, the green one. What's the purple one then? It has just more information. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right, clicky. <laughs> psychology, huh? All right, here we go. Yeah, there wasn't much of a chance of success <laughs> there. I'm not just um, like... You're reacting really quickly. So yeah, you see a very large African-American man holding... He's dressed in outdated servant clothing. Uh, and he's holding like the uh, the gun, but he's... Is he reloading? He has lowered it by now. Uh, so he's not trying to reload to like pop one off at us again. No, he seems startled. Alright, I will not pull out my gun yet. I'll put my hands up and be like, Calm yourself, calm yourself. We are here to help you. Does it seem like he understands what I'm saying? Yes, he's looking at you and he looks surprised to see you. Alright, put the fucking piece down. Right I'm gonna now. Take, uh, I'm going to follow his lead and say, We're from the Miskatonic University. We mean no harm. The guy just 
stands in the doorway, completely downfounded. He has lowered the gun, but he hasn't dropped, um, it. dropped it or anything like that. He's just staring at the ground in front of him. In a stupor? Or like, is he sad that he tried to kill one of us? Or You're, you're not sure what's wrong with this guy. All right. Is he blocking the doorway? He's in the doorway, yeah. Can, can we talk, please? He kind of stammers a little bit. While this is happening, you hear somebody running down the hall. Another man comes into view. He's a white man. He's very, very tall, completely disproportionate. He's, he must be a few inches short of seven feet tall. And the, the, the African-American is like over six feet. So this guy is like even towering over this black man. Wow. Uh, so this other white man like comes running and he grasps the black man on the shoulder and just swings him aside and he takes the gun from him as if it was a, a child's toy and he says Buford, you are never to touch the gun again you almost killed my guest it will be right well within the rights to demand your arrest and he slaps the man in the face twice very hard and once this has happened he turns to you and kind of smile like a sheepish smile almost that is like not quite appropriate and he says i am so sorry well welcome to orn manor i guess i mean i definitely have to roll out from the side yes uh hello we are my name is Jack, and this is December, and we're with uh, Miskatonic University. We've come to help you sort the, the papers. Uh, and evidently help you with your aim. He will extend like a very large palm to shake uh, Jarek's hand, which is in front of him. <laughs> As you take it. And he sneezes on his hand. <laughs> Sorry. He, right when I needed to sneeze, he required a response from me. <laughs> and it was great. Hey, he just got out of the rain. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, I shake his hand. Okay, he has a very strong handshake, and he uh, shakes your hand like warmly, but not overly so. Yeah, so he's smiling and say, "Of course, of course, step step out, come from the rain, come in, come in. Uh, let let's get yourself warmed up a little bit." Thank you, sir. And uh, you are? Oh, uh, my name is uh, Malcolm Orn. Huh, you are significantly taller than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, I get I get that a lot. All right. Well, as as we're going in with uh. Could you care to explain how, how you did that? I would love to get taller myself. <laughs> well, of course I can. Uh, I understand your reaction. It is a strange story indeed, but uh, it is one that is long and quite special, should I say. Let's, let's, it's, it's best share with a meal. I was right, just yeah. about to to start supper. We were just about to have supper, so just let's start by getting uh, freshened up a little bit, and uh, I'll tell you all about it after. Uh, Thank like you, Malcolm. To, yes, I would like to try off, and I've definitely had uh, worse entrances into a place, uh, but I'm willing to hear this story. Uh, the best stories always start off with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> He, Malcolm, turns to the black man, has been pushed to the side and hasn't moved since. Is he uh, alright, by the way? What did you say his name was? Are we able to talk to him? Oh, oh yeah, don't mind. Don't mind before. He's afraid of dogs, you see. I keep a few mastiff on my property for safety and hunting. And they were quite harmless, but before it is certain that they would eat him if they had the chance. He must have taken you for for the dogs. I probably I don't know. And he Do turns your dogs to... know how to open doors? 
Well, actually, the door was uh, uh, was slightly open already. I went to knock on it, and it opened a little bit, and then Pet Pet Boy just fired. Uh, yeah, that's probably. I I can I can see as ludicrous as this is. I can I can see why he would he would think that. And he turns to uh, before it again, like, and he's looking at him like with a very stinky eye, and he says. Um, you know, like, just tell Millie to start the supper and bring those gentlemen to the guest rooms. I will see you gentlemen in uh, about an hour for dinner. If uh, that well, is, I mean, I would like to dry off, that's for sure. Does Malcolm look like Malcolm? Like, <clears throat> just a taller version of him? You know what? Can you do Taller, a... more muscular, more gigantic? Yeah, you, you, can you run a spot hidden for me? A spot hidden? Yeah. Could I do a psychology? Yep. Could I do a spot hidden? Yeah. All right, I'll do psychology. You do spot hidden. Cool. Yeah, it's just to know how much I, I, will, I will give you. Oh. Uh, two ninety one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so f- from the first glance, it's hard to tell because he's he's so big, and the picture that you had of him was like so tiny. He, this guy, probably was about four feet tall, even shy of that. However, what is very distinctive about Malcolm, and he has no right eye. Like, oh. it's there, but it's dead. Oh, okay. So, so as you He's can like see... like, sucking in? Yeah, you can look at this picture again. You'll see what I mean. Like, he has a false eye in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, and so his features are quite similar, but, like, a lot bigger. But the eye is very telling. Like at first glance, you, you're like, "Yeah, that's probably him." Although you cannot explain how yeah, is he, he like, grew like three feet. Yeah, is okay. he taller and more muscular? He said he's pretty massive now. He's yeah, like, he's massive. He's like he's seven He's not foot. only tall, but he's he's ripped. quite large. He's ripped. His hand was like had a lot of strength to it as well. And it seems and like he just he just took like his servant to the side as if it was like a sock puppet. Gotcha. And it seems like uh, he's comfortable moving around in not this new form, but like as tall oh, yeah. and big he as he is. Yeah, he seems at ease. Yeah, okay. he seems at ease. Yep. Like it, and you it, said he he does have a dead eye still. He does still have a dead eye. Yeah. Okay. All right. He has a dead eye. Well, he has a dead eye. That's a glass eye, right? Or just a dead eye? It's not a glass eye. He has like a something to replace it, but it's not as fancy as a glass eye. Gotcha. Like, they have those wooden, wooden thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to wait for him to leave, and then I'm going to pull December aside. Like, take my jacket off and just, like, you know, try to dry off. So, uh... Or we can go to the the changing room together. But he just wants to talk to him privately. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, Malcolm, as soon as he says, like, I'll see you in about an hour, he goes down the hall and disappears. And you're left for a few minutes alone in this large hall. I found that happenings around uh, Arkham and Miskatonic University can be strange at times. The, The professor was a biology professor. His brother, who he loved very much, is now a giant. I, I suspect possibly something outside of normal science has happened here. Well, uh, again, I would say starting anything off with a shotgun usually leads to weird calamities already, so we're off on a good foot. I don't I mean, think Bedford thought that we were dogs. I think there's something else out there that he's afraid of. I would assume so, because keeping around Mastiffs all the time and having someone who's already afraid of dogs seems a bit of a hazard. 
Not but, to mention his demeanor. He's rather checked out. Yeah, yeah, this place is just fucking weird as always. We're gonna need to be on our guard here. I'll let you know, I do have experience in dealing with the paranormal. Have you ran into anything of the sort? Uh, abnormal, yes. Paranormal, not quite in so much, but uh, I've experimented Actually, with a couple can of bugs here and there. Yes, that might you can have... pause that. Miriam, he had his origin story. Would his origin story have been paranormal? Yes, but like yours, it's very like... It's not very deep. Yeah, in deep. It's like a first encounter with the Eldritch Horrors, kind of. We haven't decided what that is yet for December. So, yes, you would have had a brush with... We can call it the paranormal, although that's not quite the right word. So, I'll stick with abnormal. That's up to December, like, to tell you how much of that... Oh, absolutely. I just wanted to to check in so that he... Uh, That does help me out, but... um, yeah. I would still say abnormal, and like with Jarek being a psych manager and stuff, like being able to read into that, like that would just be that's just December in his low key state. Whatever happened, he dealt with something fucking weird, and his way of dealing with it is to just make it commonplace. You know what I mean? It's not like he can suddenly go yeah. fight monsters and be fine about it. It's just literally like that happened, I've already dealt with shit, and that's the way he's dealing with it. So he's just, yep, yeah, maybe another reason why he hasn't gone around with him. Yeah, despite that that role I made, Jarek's actually pretty proficient with psychology. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> despite the 91s. But that's okay. Uh, I was there to spot. That, that's 291. Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, if you, if you look, I've rolled, what, uh, three plus th- six times, and I've gotten a 91, a 23, an 87, an 82, 27, <laughs> and a yeah. 91. For once, the high rolls are the bad. This is like one of those games that's just like high rolls are awful. No, yeah. you want to get as low as possible. As low as possible. It's like playing champions. That was always yeah. weird to me. <clears throat> but that's okay. It's not. Uh, it's not the important stuff yeah. just yet. No, um, I know. Uh, real quick, in the mansion yeah, I'm getting itself, rid of the bad rolls. is the mansion nice and lit up and stuff? Is there? Is it like musty at all? Does it seem like it's? No, been... I was going to give you a description. Yeah. Okay. So the outside already told you that it this place was a little bit run down. Like I said, the the lawn was overgrown and the the trees were like very lush and uh, you know like probably willows that are a bit out of control there. Inside, there is a musty smell and it's not very well lit up. There's a few gas lamps in the hall, like maybe two, that shines on like the entrance and then towards the back, which you think is probably the kitchen area. To your right is a double panel door that are closed and there's like a strange musty moldy smell coming out of it. To your left is one door that's closed and there's no light coming from under those doors. It's very calm. You can hear the storm and the thunder like very well. And this looks like almost not habitated. It looks like almost deserted, except for before that you've seen, you've heard of Millie and Malcolm. Malcolm himself, okay. like the owner. All right. Wait, you said Millie? Yeah, who's Millie? Millie. Yeah. Malcolm told Beford to tell Millie to start preparing like oh. the, the oh, shit, dinner. Yeah. So she's probably the cook or like a maid of some sort. And Millie is supposed to meet you to bring you to your room. She hasn't showed up yet, but she should come soon. All right. Uh, in the hallway are chairs that are covered in dust. They have been like probably sweeped recently, but not like clean in depth. So like you can smell the dust in them. 
real quick. Um, as an archaeology major, like, mm. could I use archaeology to, I mean, obviously not like carbon date or anything, but just since I'm used to hanging around old, dusty places and all this shit, can I kind of gauge a, a feeling sure. of, like, how well worn or loved this place is? Mm -hmm. Yep. Blammo. All right. 42 out of 70. So 42. Third number. The house itself, and like I said, it's uh, it's colonial, so very old. The fact that it was built like in the middle of the march makes it even more prone to degradation, like decay. The salty hair is not good for wood, generally. So yeah, this place is... It would need a lot of upkeep, and that is not... A good. lot of upkeep, and the upkeep was done up until recently, you're guessing? Probably when uh, brother died. Yeah, the brother died about a year ago. That's what Ern the Cliff told you. But the decay is is older than that. Is older oh, okay. than me, mm. for sure. And you said this is a saltwater marshland. Yes. All right. And then, real quick, so uh, we're right on the coast, then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look on Google Map Ipswich, you'll see where it is, and you'll get an idea of, of where you're located. You're a bit north to Ipswich. Gotcha. Uh, then just real quick, can I do a? Spot hit and check just to make sure there are. I mean, there's not obviously like bugs that exist in this time, but don't they have like the tubes that you can talk into that you leave open, shit like that, or anything? You know, like in submarines. Oh, sorry, the what? Some mansions, like older style mansions, have those like metal tubes that you can talk into, so it like oh, sends yeah. your voice down. I just want to make sure there's none of those are open and listening to us. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool. I don't know if this mansion would have that. I'm trying to gauge the era, but like some mm -hmm. old era stuff even, you know, lives into Pico yep. Code's modern era. Oh. Nope. <laughs> you don't see any tube, however, you do see a bell pull. Ah. So, you know, like you ring the bell if you yeah. need the, if you need help. So you do see that, but you don't see any potential uh, listening device. So again, during the hour and stuff like that. So Jarek, uh, you say you've uh, ha been on some assignments before from Undercroft, Undercliff. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Undertale now. Damn it. But, Undercliff, uh, yeah. Undercliff. Any uh, yeah. of this feels similar to you? Well, the terror does. Uh, having somebody willing to shoot first and ask questions later. I, I mean, I give you props on that. That was a tough, uh, that was a tough situation, and you got your ass out of that. You know, December, because I believe something is happening here, and we're gonna need to know a bit about each other. I'm gonna share something with you. I got, um, I got into Miskatonic University because I've killed a werewolf. And, like uh, a wolf. I know. No, no, I no. Mean, a werewolf, they're real. Yeah, just, you probably, like, you were how old? I was 15, and it was, it was a seven foot tall werewolf. There were two of them in the sewers, nearly killed my friend. I killed the other and took it to the, uh, the Boston Police Department. They decided the public wasn't ready for the information. I had been, been running uh, as an independent contractor for the law uh, while I was in school to make ends meet. December, like, sizes you up again, kind of like taking a second look at you. Well, uh, considering that monster over there, I guess if we get into a fight, I'll send you in first. You know, it's, uh, um, I really hope it doesn't come to that. I'm not going to pretend that it was all skill and no luck. The werewolves were very fast. Since then, I also, um, I helped with, uh, uh Lillian Cross, and we ran into an entity called the Hound uh, that was attached to a necklace. You just, like, really, just you and dogs. I mean, he thought you were a dog, too, and tried to shoot at you. Well, supposedly. But magic is real, December. And since I'm looking at a man who used to be a midget and is now seven feet tall, I think we're going to run into some here. 
I definitely would be inclined to agree with you. I have a spell at my disposal. It's called an outer sign. It's it's straining to you, so it's a last it's a, a last ditch effort type thing. But if so, things go south, we only need to find a, a room, barricade it, and I can put I can put the Eldritch sign out, and anything paranormal can't reach the room. Well, that would definitely be useful. I'll keep an eye out for particular places of uh, protection along the way in case we should need a fallback. Because right now, dealing with whatever could be out there in the storm would be pretty awful. Indeed, because of the storm, the isolated nature of where we are, the aggressive, uh, the hostile reception we received. I just think it's better if I put my cards on the table with you and we know where we are. Yeah. Because uh, we might be reliant on each other for safety here in just a few hours. I'm not quite so inclined as to magic, but I do have chemical magic here. And I, you know, pull out the gun here. It's like, I do like certain reactions that occur when uh, triggers are pulled. And I put it back. It's a little snub nose. It's not like the big ass fucking revolver from hell. It's meant to be compact and useful instead of like big dick boy swinging it around. But Eric uh, shows you his 41 revolver. Yeah. So all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not that handy with a with a handgun. That thing is bigger than you are. I don't know what um, you plan on doing with that, but uh, use both hands. Well, I did shoot a werewolf with it. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> like I size you up for a third time. It's like, and now it's kind of middling in between. It's like, just don't point that at me. Oh, certainly. Once again, it's a uh, last ditch type thing. If I have no other options, then I pull out the last plan. Thank you for listening to our first episode of The Arkham Cycle. If you liked this first part of Orn's experiments, please leave us a review on your podcasting app to help us spread the word. You can also write to us directly at info at milestonerpg.com.